I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are a Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 254. Ooh and Donna. Right off the bat, you love these. Goatman's Bridge. Ooh. Love a bridge story. Well, I did Goatman's Bridge. Oh. Okay. Oh, Lord. Hello, ladies. My name is Preston from Denton, Texas, home of the infamous Goatman's Bridge. Denton is home to UNT and TWU, two major universities. Sidebar, y'all, this is my input, not Preston from Denton, Texas, but TWU is where I got my bachelor's degree. Anyways, it's Texas Women's University, although I always want to say Texas Women's University, but it's Texas Woman's University. Cut to Donna literally turning her head to look at the degree on the wall because she did not know that either. Like, literally, the slow-mo of the head turn to look and read the degree on the wall. (laughs) Mind blown over there. Okay, anyway, two major universities. It's in between Dallas and Oklahoma. It's a nice little city and is about as weird, quirky, and friendly as Austin. The Goatman's Bridge is a local urban legend that has been around for years. It's been said that a fawn, satyr-like creature comes out at night to chase away those who attempt to cross the bridge. I've been to the bridge before myself at night. I was a driver and I was with two friends. We did not leave the car or cross the bridge. We parked off to the side of it. Honestly, we were doing drugs and I do not recall much of that night or that chapter in my life, really. With that being said, I've been clean for three years now. You ladies are the best when it comes to filling my atmosphere with positivity and joy. Even though you're discussing dark topics, you two are always very lighthearted and your banter makes me feel like I'm one of your friends and I want to chime in all the time. As a member of the LGBTQ community, I love how welcoming you both are and you always have handled the trans people of your stories with respect and love. Thank you. It's noticeable to me and it does not go unappreciated. And if you're ever in Dallas again, I hope I can say hello. Love you, ladies. Take care. I don't know what episode it was, but I did do the Goatman's Bridge. Hold on, I'm going to look. Also, I did not technically, my degree is from the Denton campus, but I didn't go there because I was living in Houston and did it online. So, But we did go. I remember going to Denton because you drove me around. No, never. Yes, you did. Literally never. Where did you drive me around at? Never there. Yes, you did. No, I've been to Denton one time in my life, and it was for a conference, and I went by myself. Wait, was there another place, like, for TWU that wasn't in Denton? There was a a campus in Houston. Okay, that's where you took me. I didn't even take you to it. We literally drove. It was right by my work. You must have drove past you, you did it because you love to show that. Okay, I probably was like, hey, this is where the OT school is. That's probably what you said. But, like, I s- swear we went through, like, a little thing and you were, like, telling me. Okay, well, the two roads go one on top, one on bottom, and it's right there on the side. So that's probably what you're thinking. Probably. Everybody's like, I don't give a fuck about the geography of Houston. <laughs> anyway, sidebar, it was episode 19. That's why I don't fucking remember it. That was three damn lifetimes ago. You don't remember what we did last week. Facts. Yeah. Would you get out of the car at the Goatman Bridge? I would. I like to think I would, but I'd probably have to pee. <laughs> I would, but I mean, yeah, I'd probably have to pee too because I'd be so nervous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Nervous bladder would take over. Yeah. Also, congrats on your sobriety. That's yes. huge. And we're so happy that we can be part of your life. And thank you for the kind words. For sure. Okay, the next one. Creepy bedtime story. Hello again, friends I have yet to meet. 
I wrote it a couple of years ago after having a dream where Donna and I were both thin and she's telling me to submit my stories. Why am I always thin in my dreams? Currently, I'm an assistant funeral director in the middle of Kansas. Weirdly, I have more real-life creepy stories than I do funeral home creepy stories. I'm 51 now, but this story takes place unbelievably 30 years ago. I don't feel like that's truly possible. Anyway, at 21, I was living with my then-future husband, we'll call him Dick, in the home where I had grown up. He worked second shift, which meant I was home alone all evening and most of the night. We had a beautiful Rottweiler named Beth. She was my baby before I had babies. Since we had no children, Beth had her own bedroom across the hall from our bedroom. She had a doggy bed, the whole bed. I used to baby gate at the doorway to keep her in. One night, we were home alone. Dick worked until 2 a.m. Beth in her room, me and mine. Suddenly, I'll wake to Beth crying. I mean, crying like someone is hurting her. At first, it's not registering because, duh, I'm sleeping. Then I hear her again, literally crying in fear or pain. I jump out of bed and go towards her room, ready to kill whoever is hurting my baby. She's there, huddled up on her bed, eyes huge, whole body trembling and crying out like I've never heard. I just froze at the baby gate. I have no idea what the hell is going on. I'm yelling her name and she's not responding. She's looking right at me. Or was she? All of a sudden, I get a cold, icy sensation down my back. I was absolutely terrified at that moment. I realized that Beth is not looking at me. She's looking behind me. The hair on my neck raises. My spidey senses are going crazy. I feel something behind me. I'm too scared to look. I yell Beth's name again. She just continues to cry. I hit that baby gate with my hand hard and threw it open. Beth shakes her head and runs at me. I still don't look behind me. I turn, keeping my back to whatever the fuck is behind me, and tell Beth to get to my room. I think I leapt five feet from where I was to the doorway of my room. I slam the door and jump into bed. I'm holding my dog and looking her over. She's unharmed and seems to not even remember what just happened. She's completely in the moment and in mom's bed. I, on the other hand, am shook. What the fuck just happened? What was that? Why is it scaring the shit out of my dog? What does it want? Where is it now? I prayed the Lord's Prayer to calm myself down. Then I say it out loud for whatever or whoever was there to hear it. I did fall back asleep with my arms around Beth. Dick finally came home and found us cuddled up in bed. I don't know if he really believed me when I told him what happened. I don't really care either way. Whatever the hell that thing was terrified my poor dog and scared the hell out of me. It never made itself known. It never happened again. That was the second scariest thing to ever happen to me. Now, on to the first. I was 17 years old when my mother passed away from a rare form of leukemia. She was a young, vibrant, healthy, beautiful person. That stupid disease came out of nowhere and attacked her fast and hard. The doctors had no idea why, and it took them some time to figure out what kind of leukemia it was. She was diagnosed in September of 89 and then died in April of 90. I was a senior in high school two weeks away from my senior prom, a month away from graduation. April the 12th, my dad called my grandparents' house where my sisters and I were living 
while my mom was in the hospital in Kansas City. He called to let us know she was gone. Jumping ahead a few weeks, we're all back in our own home. I was home by myself this day. So far, nothing out of the norm had happened. In our dining room is an antique buffet with a mirror. Every time I walk past this buffet, I have to check my face and my hair. I'm 17. Why wouldn't I look in the mirror every time I pass it? This day, something else was in the mirror behind me. My heart is pounding just thinking about this. As I look into the mirror to check my hair, behind me I see what is best described as a full-length apparition in a black coat with a hood pulled up over the head down towards the eyes. Only this damn thing has no face, just darkness and dimly glowing orbs as eyes. I don't know if it showed itself to me in this form so I would know what it was or what. It had one hand on something that looked like a sword or a sickle. It didn't really have hands, though. Other than the glowing orbs, there was no body or body parts that could be seen. I was completely terrified and shaking. I spun around and it was still there. It looked directly at me and nodded its head. At the same time, inside my head, I hear, I am finished, as this thing floats backwards and through the wall of my home and disappears. I throw myself into the corner of the room and cried and cried and cried. I'm traumatized, scared, and shaking. When that thing put those words in my head, I knew immediately it was talking about my mother. I knew without a doubt that this thing had caused the disease that the doctors were stumped by and took my mom's life. 33 years later, and this story still freaks me out. That thing I saw was terrifying. Ever since that day, I am now able to see things outside of our normal everyday lives. Not all the time, but a lot. It's caused me to have a deep and sincere interest in the paranormal and supernatural. I now question much of what I was taught religiously. It can be overwhelming to think there is so much more to this world than we can see or what we're taught. Thanks for taking the time to read my stories. Today is November 3rd, 2023. My family just finished celebrating Dia de los Muertos. Creep it real, amigas. Love, Jules. Jules, those two encounters sound fucking terrifying. Don't mess with my dog. Like, again, how you were saying, that was your baby before you had babies. Like, mm-mm, don't do that. But also, like, I, I had the curiosity of a cat, so I would have to turn around. Yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But it's probably good that you didn't, and so you didn't acknowledge it, really. Yeah. And so you didn't give it power, because me, I'd been like, who goes there? Also, do you like me? Do you want to talk to me? Do you want to haunt me? I mean, let's just be honest. You know I would. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, this is literally why you're not haunted. (laughs) Yeah, they don't want to. They're like, no, steer clear of that girl's house. She got issues. They're like, god damn, she's too high maintenance. I can't. (laughs) I don't have the energy for her today. (laughs) Right. They're like going past and they're like, oh, my God, she's talking to herself again. What the fuck? No, I'm not even dealing with that. They're like, Joe left last week. She's still over there talking to him like he's there. (laughs) Who's Joe? Just the spirit. (laughs) Also, though, that's wild about the one that you had when you were 17. And I'm so sorry for your mom's passing. I cannot imagine how hard that was in high school. High school is hard enough without freaking losing your mom. Right. When I was in 10th grade, my mom had a 39-pound tumor removed. And a one-pound tumor. Don't forget the other one. Yeah, sorry. And a one-pound. That's like being like, I ran 26 miles. And it's like, you ran 26 point what miles? Because you cannot forget the point. True. 
Because that's when you get really tired, you know? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. That's what everyone who runs a mile is like, no, it's not. That's when you're, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's when you get really tired. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> but that's because my mom was the epitome of, oh, it's probably nothing. As her stomach's getting bigger and harder and all of the things. And then, like, she had, like, a record-breaking tumor thing with this, the doctor, like, had it. And it looked like a pumpkin because they had, like, the... Bed done? Yeah. Thank Could not think of that word. But for a long time, the doctor had it in, like, her that picture mm-hmm. in her office. So there's that. But my mom was in the hospital. And again, y'all all know my mom was, like, it goes, my mama, Marley... And then Carrie and Tiffany tied, okay? But that's that's it. And so my mom was in the hospital getting this tumor removed, like all the things. And we had this one friend, in quotes, and she was like talking to Tiffany. And she said, I mean, I know her mom's in the hospital, but she doesn't have to be a bitch. Because like I wasn't really talking that day. And like, so I wasn't like really acknowledging the conversation or whatever. And like, we were just like, you know, the 10 minutes before you go to the next class kind of thing. And I wasn't doing that. But Tiffany was like, her mom's in the hospital. Like, her mom is in the hospital. Right. But, like, we always say that. I mean, I know your mom's in the hospital, but you don't have to be a bitch. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of an epic quote now. (laughs) The moment you're like, I will cut your esophagus out. Right. (laughs) But now you're like, I mean, that's kind of like the perfect Mean Girls quote. (laughs) You know? Yes. Oh, God. Like, I still remember where I was when I left that. And then Tiffany was like, after school, because she was, she took French and I was in human A&P. And so, like, we were right next door. And so, like, I had, like, went in and that's where... The friend said that, and Tiffany's like, I mean, what? Tiffany's yeah. <laughs> like, so like that, that's, that's, not, that's not how that works, I don't I, think. I feel like if you're saying those words in the sentence, like... You should probably understand. Yeah. <laughs> also, I'm a Leo, and I made it about me. Awesome. Your entire story, and then I'm like, so this one time in high school? When my mom had this very large but benign tumor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the next one. Hello from Virginia City, Nevada. Say that five times fast. Virginia City, Nevada. Virginia City, Nevada. Virginia City, Nevada. Virginia City, Nevada. Oh, I fucked it up. I was on four and I fucked it up. Okay. You should have seen Donna's eyebrows getting so big, y'all. She was like, oh, she's doing it. She's doing it. Okay, she's done. Hi, ladies. I'm a regular listener. And imagine my surprise when I was listening to the latest episode and I learned it was about not only the town I live in, but the location I managed and ran the paranormal program for the past four years. Yep, I squealed like a little girl. I have lots of stories about my experiences in the saloon. I swear to God, I hope I did it justice. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't that always make you panic? Yes, my butthole clenched. I was like, oh. I was the one with the locker slamming and my name being called. That actually occurred while I was in the building alone waiting for twin paranormal to arrive. It was very active that evening. Did you quote her? I hope I did you justice. (laughs) (laughs) I'll leave one of the funnier incidents that we experienced a couple of summers ago. We were serving oysters on the half shell at the time. One morning while we were setting up, the cook could not find the oyster shuckers. They'd been put in the dishwasher the night before, but were nowhere to be found the following morning. She checked, I checked, and other staff member checked. They were nowhere. Finally, out of frustration, 
I half-jokingly told the cook to go in there and tell the ghosts that we really need the oyster shuckers and to ask them to nicely return them. Not being a stranger to some of the unexplained things that occurred on a daily basis there, she didn't bat an eye at my comment. She went back into the kitchen and asked the ghost for the oyster shuckers. After asking, the cook turned around and began doing some other prep for the day. In the corner sat a cart that she had been using all morning to move things from the prep area to the outdoor smoke shack where we were serving food that day. It had been unloaded outside and moved back inside to be loaded up again. We had all checked it several times that day for the oyster shuckers, as well as loaded and unloaded it several times throughout the morning. No one else was in the kitchen as we were all outside setting up for the day. She was completely alone in the entire building. The kitchen is very narrow, and to move past someone, you have to say something so they can make room for you. There's no way she would have missed someone walking past her where the cart was sitting. You can just imagine the cook's surprise when she turned around to place something on the formerly empty cart and found those darn missing oyster shuckers sitting right there in plain sight on the top shelf of the cart. We were so used to things happening like this that instead of running screaming, she thanked the ghosts and asked that they not borrow them again and went about her prep work. Spirits and hauntings are regular things throughout the town. The Old West was a rough and tumble time that left a lasting impression on not only the people, but the buildings and the land itself. The gold and silver mine here financed the building of San Francisco as well as helped fund the Civil War. I don't think there isn't a building in town that doesn't have some sort of ghostly activity. Most of the buildings on the main street are original or rebuilt right after the Great Fire, as are some of the boards on the boardwalk. Even Mark Twain's spirit has been rumored to be seen strolling along on a quiet summer's eve. Sorry for such a long email. I was so excited that I got to hear about the Bonanza Saloon on one of my fave podcasts. Thank you, ladies. You did it justice. Creep it real and don't get scared. Sabrina. Woo! Donna can finally breathe. She's been butt-clenching the whole story. Yes. Also, y'all don't know this because it's going to be cut for bloopers. So if you want to see those bloopers or, you know, listen to them, what the fuck? Go over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. But Carrie could not say oyster shuckers, but she said it about 10 times after that without a fail. I was like, well, even, damn. even the first one we kept in was a little sketch. But then you were like, bam, I say this every fucking day. <laughs> Like, I got it. I was like, damn, she hadn't fucked up once. And it was like 10 times. I mean, that could have been a drinking game. It really could. That's so wild that, like, how you felt hearing it on the podcast, I just felt hearing you listen to it. And live it. Yeah, and live it. Like, you were one of the people. Like, that's wild. And also, did Carrie believe all of this? Because now she believes because you said it. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. But she was probably like, it was probably the wind when I told the story. I'm such a naysayer until until somebody confronts me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, okay. <laughs> I'm a Sour Patch Kid. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. I think I've listened to y'all since the beginning, and I've even listened to most of your episodes multiple times. I used to listen to y'all when I worked at a costume shop, and I can still point out the place in the shop where I was working when Donna's story about the black-eyed kids chilled my blood to freezing point. Anyway, this set of vignettes is about my time at the costume shop. In case you're wondering, costume shops are super creepy, especially this one. The business has been around 30 plus years, 
and the lady who owned it had over 100,000 rental costumes, aside from the packaged costumes that you could buy and take home forever. Add in that some of them gave off super weird vibes. World War I and World War II uniforms, and East German military uniforms especially. And it could get really spooky if you stop to think about it a lot. As I worked there full-time plus, I tried not to. I've always been interested in the paranormal, but decided I must not be very receptive or sensitive to experiencing it myself. This changed at the costume shop. There were always weird sounds in the warehouse, which was stacked floor to 16-foot ceilings with racks of costumes. The strangest thing about the sounds was that the sound deadening effect of all the costumes. You could only hear people talking or even calling to you if you were in the same aisle because of the cumulative effect of the tens of thousands of costumes that muffled any aisle-to-aisle communication. Nevertheless, there were some random sounds that were loud and clear, no matter where you were in the warehouse, but that didn't bother me so much. What really got my attention were the scents. Now, we took very good care of the rental costumes. You didn't get that old clothes funk in the warehouse. Everything was washed or dry cleaned upon return, so I'd say the general scent of the warehouse ranged from dust to dryer sheet scent. No biggie. But one day, we were working late doing inventory, and I smelled cigarette smoke. Obviously, no one was allowed to smoke in the building. Can you imagine a fire in all of those costumes? And indeed, no one on the staff smoked anyway. But I could smell cigarette smoke, and it sort of freaked me out. Not only was there a chance of lighting everything on fire, but my coworker and I were alone. The shop was locked up tight since we were doing inventory after hours. As I stopped and sniffed, my coworker put down her pencil and looked at me and she said, Can you smell it? Yes, I answered. Where is it coming from? Is someone smoking right outside the door and it's drifting in? This was completely possible because the building was old and the doors didn't fit snugly. This woman had worked there for decades and she just shook her head. It's probably nothing. I'll peek outside to see if anyone's out there, but I doubt it. I tried to prevent her from doing so just because if someone was lurking outside just smoking and waiting for us to come out, opening the door was not a good option. But she unlocked and opened the door, looked outside, and even peeked around the corner of the building to make sure that no one had scurried around when they heard the door being unlocked. No one was there. The cigarette smoke scent cleared for a while but came back later that evening. I locked eyes with my coworker and she simply said, It's a ghost. Don't worry about it. What? A few days later, I asked the owner about the whole thing, and she told me this story. Imagine a tiny old woman with intense blue eyes and great bone structure staring me down, telling me the story behind the ghost in the warehouse. It shook me, y'all. Years ago, when the buildings where the future costume shop were first being put up, the man who owned the plot of land and the buildings was playing poker with some friends. Beer, cigarettes, and cigars, and poker chips all over the table. They got into some fracas with one of the players. I hope I said that word correct. I think he lost and he couldn't pay and was making threats against the other guys in the group. They all lost their tempers and eventually the non-payer was thrown out of the game. And he was never seen again. His disappearance was reported to the police by his wife, but investigation revealed nothing except that he had been playing poker with his buddies and had left early in the morning. 
They shrugged and said they hadn't seen him after that. His car was gone, and they never found the man. Meanwhile, back at the site where the buildings were being put up, the land had been leveled by a bulldozer so the concrete could be poured the day after the disappearance. It seems that extra leveling had to be done the morning of the pour because the dirt had been disturbed during the night and not completely leveled off. The story went that a guy or guys or maybe all the guys had murdered the non-payer and buried him in the place where the concrete slab was due to be poured in hours. My boss has told me all sorts of horrible stories about the landlord of her shop, so it wasn't difficult to imagine that he was involved. And who was to know, after a slab of concrete and a steel warehouse was put up, that a poor man was buried there. The alleged place of the burial was not under our warehouse, which was at the front of the group of the warehouses closest to the road. He was supposed to be under the very back building, which was near the woods. Why would he come up to the front of the complex to blow his spectral smoke into our building? There are two schools of thought. One was that he followed the business when it moved from the back of the complex to the front. When she moved into the warehouse complex, my boss had that back building. She said there were all sorts of hauntings back there, including the scent of cigarette smoke. When she moved the shop to the front of the complex, they all disappeared but the smoke smell. So perhaps he did follow her business. The second idea was that since we were the only business that was occasionally open at night, that everyone else just missed the ghostly aromas, and we caught it when the ghost was making his rounds. I tend to think more toward the second, although I know I smelled smoke at other times other than just at night. I always double-checked to make sure no one else was smoking near the highly flammable costumes, but never saw anyone smoking, even when the smoke smell was strong. My second one is shorter, but I will not apologize for Link. I figure y'all probably want some Link until you build up your story vault again. It also takes place in the costume shop, this time in the front shop part of the business where the customers came in and were served. This is where the employee restroom was located. It was just a toilet and a sink with a bank of shelving units lining the opposite wall. Very bare bones. Sometimes I could smell a really rank cigar smell back there when I approached the closed door. Again, the front of the shop was packed with costumes, makeup, wigs, package costumes, mask, mascot, your favorite Carrie, and all sorts of flammable stuff. So there was a strict no smoking edict in effect. I was in a hurry to do my business, so after a cursory look around, I dashed inside. The smell was gone when I came out, which I was grateful for. I didn't think much of it until the next time I smelled it. This time I mentioned it to my boss, who nonchalantly informed me that it was her brother, Bruce, name has been changed. I was startled that she would allow her brother to smoke in the shop, not only for the fire risk, but because that stank would surely get into the rental costumes and make them stanky. A big no-no. I said as much to her and she laughed and said, no, Bruce has been dead for 15 years. He just shows up on occasion to check up on me. After laughing at my wide open mouth, she told me that Bruce was one of her oldest brothers and she was his favorite sister. They were Catholic and had a large family. He fronted her some money to help her establish her shop back in the day, and they had a really close relationship, although Bruce now lived in Arizona on the other side of the country. One day, they received a call from the police in his town that he had been found dead in his truck on the side of the road. It was later found out through Bruce's post-life revelations checked with the coroner that Bruce had been driving his truck up the road 
like every other day when his portable oxygen tank ran out of juice. Bruce was a lifelong smoker of stanky cigars and had emphysema. He depended on his oxygen to get around. Sadly, when it ran out, so did he. Since the area was not well populated, no one found him until it was too late. I just kind of nodded and reserved judgment. I believe she believed that her brother was still around checking up on her, but wasn't too sure myself. Until later. Once again, I was headed for the restroom, and once again, I got a whiff of cigar stain. At that point, I didn't even look around. We hadn't had a customer come in all day. I just said aloud, Bruce, go away. I want to go to the bathroom by myself. And poof, the stink was gone. From then on, when I smelled the cigar smoke, always by the restroom, apparently ghostly Bruce was a perv. I would tell him to leave me alone so I could do my business, and it always worked for me. When my daughter started working there, I told them the same thing. Likewise, any new coworkers who mentioned the stink. It's Bruce's ghost. Just tell him to go away and he will. I got some funny looks, but no more questions or comments. I got sick of costuming and quit that job a year before COVID. My boss and her husband have since passed away, and I miss them so much. When she sold her shop, I asked her if she had told the new owner about the ghost. She said, of course not. I didn't want her to back out. None of the old employees work there anymore. I wonder if the ghosts still haunt the costume shop, and I wonder if my former boss does now. She put her heart and soul into that business and was a life force of it. I'd visit there if I thought I could connect with her again. She was a great lady. Anyway, those were my ghostly reminiscence of the costume rental and retail shop I worked in for over seven years. I hope y'all enjoyed them. Now that I'm in the groove, I'll have to send in more ghostly experiences I've had at the job I'm currently working. I so enjoy listening to y'all. Your laughter just heals me. I hope you can keep on keeping on, but in case you don't, please know that you brought so many smiles to this curmudgeonly, cantankerous old broad. I thank you. Hugs and love from Valkyrie. P.S. I've timed the reading of this, and it takes about 12 minutes. You're welcome. Your email was like a damn thesaurus. It really was, and why did I have to be the one to read it? Because I, (laughs) my mouth don't work. (laughs) I mean, my mouth do work for other things, but... Not so much words. Yeah. No, you did a great job, Donna. We enjoyed the email. Thank you. Also, I'm like thinking about that costume shop because I did one, I think it was called Dreams and Nightmares in California. And like just seeing all the costumes being out and all of that. Like, yeah, that is scary. But I love how you're like, and mascots, your favorite, Carrie. God, mascots are so scary. I sometimes, it's not really cigarette smoke. It's more like just smoke, but not, it's not wood burning or cigarette smoke. It's just like a smoke smell that I have. And I don't like it. You haven't had it around you in a while though, have you? Probably last year was. Yeah. Yeah. Also one, why do ghosts always have to bother people when they're going to the bathroom? It's like you're in your most vulnerable state and they're like, ooh. Yeah. And then two, I do love a ghost. It'll just bugger off when you tell them to. Right. Like the last story, too. Yep. Okay, the next one. Hello, beautiful ladies. This is your friend Sydney from Alabama. I wanted to share my story about the time I stayed in a haunted motel in the Smoky Mountains. Not my first haunted hotel, but that's a story for another time. 
I just got divorced a few months prior and decided to take a solo trip to my favorite place in the world. I grew up taking trips to the Smokies with my family since I was six months old. I don't even have to use GPS to get around because it's like my second hometown. I've stayed in nearly every hotel slash motel in the area over the years because I love to check out the little motor lodges and the motels because it gives me a feeling of traveling back in time. I'm in my early 30s, but I've been an old soul all my life. That being said, I'm also sensitive. If there are ghosts or spirits around, they tend to make themselves known to me. This particular motel is in the middle of Pigeon Forge, right on the main strip. According to county records, it was built in 1979. I won't name any names, but if you'd like to look it up, the name starts with a T. I couldn't find anything saying that anyone had died there or any crimes. Everything was going well the first couple of days, but one morning I got a late start. As I tend to do on vacation, I had been staying out too late and getting up too early to try to enjoy the scenery. That morning, I decided to take my time getting ready and just relax. I was laying across the foot of my bed on my stomach messaging with a friend in just my underthings. I felt a hand brush across the back of my thighs. I'm talking from the right side of my thigh all the way up across the left side of my left thigh. I immediately jumped up in a slight panic. Mind you, I'd turned the AC off the night before because it was chilly outside, but not enough to need heat. I double-checked that it was off and started looking for any sources that a breeze could have come from. I found nothing. Having had paranormal experiences before, I knew I needed to set some boundaries. I sat down on the edge of the bed and proceeded to talk to whatever was there. I said, okay, I get that this is your space, but I'm going to be here for a few days. I will be respectful, so if you don't fuck with me, I won't fuck with you. Thank you. Not one more thing happened after that. My friend that I was messaging with at the time just laughed because he's a sensitive too. He said the ghost just thought I was hot and wanted to cop a feel. Definitely one of my most memorable experiences for sure. I have more, so if anyone wants to hear, I'll definitely write them down. They're kind of short because they're quick, but I'd love to share. Love y'all, Sydney. Sydney, you better be sending in all that shit. And this sounds like a ghost right up Donna's alley. Except she don't really like like touch. You don't like light touch. Don't give me oh, that look. Oh, light touch. <laughs> I thought you said I don't like touch, and I'm like, no. I love touch, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you want to be choked. You don't want to be tickled. Yeah. Yeah, no. No, like, feather stuff. No, 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 Oh, no. my God. That would be my heaven. <laughs> yeah. No. Also, hey, Sydney. I know you were texting in your under things because we know each other from Tinder. Because y'all talk to the same person. Yeah. Not because y'all talk to one another on Tinder. Yeah. But now we're friends. Also, I could not lay across the bed and text somebody on my stomach like that. That would make me so lightheaded when I stood up. <laughs> it does. It makes my head kind of hurt and makes me lightheaded when I stand up. Ugh. And makes my back hurt, too. I cannot lay on my stomach. I was going to say, now, I do sleep on my stomach, but texting, I'd be, like, up on my elbows, so I feel like that would really hurt my back. Mm-hmm. God, we're old and fat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last one. Hello, Donna and Carrie. I'm Marissa from South Carolina. I have been a listener going on two years now and just now getting up the courage to write in. I've always felt like my paranormal experiences weren't as cool as most. However, let's start where it all began for me. My aunt, when I was about four years old, started learning about spiritual guides with one of her friends who was Native American. They would have these meetings weekly and my aunt brought something back to the house with her. My brother and I regularly stayed with her because she didn't have any kids at the time, and my mom and her are twins, and they always shared everything anyway. 
One night, we were spending the night, and she was doing the dishes. My brother was in the shower. I was at the kitchen table facing the hallway the bathroom was off of. A tall man, almost cowboy-looking, with a vest and a hat, walked up the hallway and into the bathroom where my brother was showering. I looked to my aunt and asked, who was that man that just went into the bathroom? This sends her into a full panic because my uncle worked nights and it was just her and us two kids in the house. She runs to the bathroom door and starts beating on it. My brother, I'm sure as confused as all get out, yells that it's just him in the bathroom. Then it sounds as though the back patio is opened. She had three huskies who were out back on the patio at this time and they all started barking. Keep in mind, for an actual human to get to the patio door from the bathroom, I had just watched this man walk into, he would have had to walk past her, then me, and we never so much as saw a shadow after I saw it walk into the bathroom. My aunt runs to the patio door and slings it open, yelling, leave us alone. Needless to say, we left and went back to our house, where my aunt stayed as well until my uncle was off. Okay, one more story for now. This one is not paranormal, but even more creepy if you ask me. I lived in the same house for my whole life. One story brick home with the crawl space underneath. Ever since being little, paranormal seems to be attracted to me. The Native American friend mentioned above told my aunt that I was special and that she could help me with my abilities. So when I started telling my parents that I was hearing someone talk underneath my bedroom while I was up late on the phone with my friends, they think it's another one of my paranormal encounters. My parents were skeptics, so they never really took me serious about the paranormal things either. However, one morning, we were leaving for school and the crawl space light was on. My dad goes to check and there had very clearly been someone sleeping under there. They padlocked it that day. And guess what? No more talking coming from under the house after that. I have plenty more to share. Sorry this was so long. Love to all you beautiful creepsters. That is literally a horror movie came to life. Right? And you know, I would have been, told you so, told you so, told you so. Yes, you would have. Yeah, I would have. Every time we drove by, I'd been like, remember that time that I said that I heard these voices and y'all were like, oh, she's just being paranormal. No, bitch. We could have all been murdered. That's so fucking scary. That really is scary. And I agree. That's creepier than a ghost. Because it always is. Real life stuff is always creepier than the ghost. Mm -hmm. It's always the real life story that caused the supernatural activity that's the scary part. Yeah. And it was not too long, your story. And yes, we do want more. Yes. You know how you always say there's a theme? This one was more like telling the ghost to leave you alone, and Mm -hmm. they did. Yeah. Setting boundaries, Mm -hmm. which we could all use in our real life. Why are you looking at me? I mean, you know. I was listening to the I Think Not podcast today, mm-hmm. and Ellen said something about setting boundaries, and she's like, my boundaries are made out of jello, but <laughs> and I was like, mm, yep. feel that. Yep. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much for sending in these stories. If you want your story read on an episode, send them in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.